talking about what the media won't, you're listening to the Democratic Messaging Project with Joe Ranty. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining the Democratic Messaging Project podcast for December 1st, 2023. Today, we are welcoming Heather Williams, who is the interim president for the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee, or otherwise known as the DLCC. They are responsible for helping Democrats across the country win in their state legislatures. And uh, there are 5,419 state legislators in this country. So this is a really big job. And one of the great things is this year is that the Democrats in the state legislatures have had many, many victories. And the latest big one was November 7th of 2023, when the Virginia State House flipped back to blue. And we also kept the state Senate. So thank you for joining us. And I want to thank you, Heather, for joining us as well. Can you please talk about you taking over the organization and what the work of the DLCC is and what your plan is for the coming year? I've got lots of questions, but why don't we start? Yeah. Well, let's do it. I'm very excited to be here with you. Um, You know, DLCC is the party committee that's responsible for um, state legislatures, right? So we are um you know looking at uh how we maintain the power we have how we build more power in states across the country um we've had really important and very successful uh last couple of elections 2022 was a big year as we um kind of bucked the trend right in a presidential midterm picked up um new majorities and built new trifectas and took that momentum into 2023 Um, where we just flipped another chamber in Virginia. Um, What is so, right, like so incredible and so incredibly important about this work is, um, of course, it's great to have another blue legislative chamber, of course. Um, But what it really meant, right, in Virginia is that there wasn't an abortion ban, right? The impact of what is happening in these legislatures is so great and it touches our lives so deeply um, that uh, it is so much more, right, than... Um, you know, just winning an election. It's about what our lives look like in the state that we live. So really excited about kind of what, where where we sit and what it means as we head into 2024. Yeah, really exciting. And could we talk a little bit about, you know, because so many people get onto the bad news, but let's talk a little bit about the fabulous Democratic wins, including Virginia and what the win in Virginia really signaled, in my opinion, to the rest of the United States, especially going into the um, the presidential race this year and race for the Senate, and of course, hoping to increase the House. But the state legislatures are so important. And can you just tell us what winning Virginia and flipping, well, keeping one chamber, but increasing the amount of seats in that chamber in the state Senate and what it meant to actually flip and bring back to the Democrats, um, the House of Delegates, which is their lower house for people who don't know. Yeah, you know, in Virginia, we talked a lot about, um, you know, the stakes being voters were gonna go to the polls on Tuesday 
Um, and if they woke up on Wednesday and there was a Republican trifecta, there was going to be an abortion ban, right? It was just that crystal clear. Um, and of course, abortion is one very important issue. It is by no means, right, the only issue that our legislatures were tackling. Um, you know, now what we have are Democrats in both legislative chambers and a Republican governor in Virginia. Um, and when they go into session, right, they're able to move forward really important legislation that's going to protect all sorts of rights, right? They're going to make sure that our voting rights are protected, that um, abortion is codified, that um, we've got good wages, and they're really attending to, um, you know, the issues that matter most, and they're really going to lead with their values. And, and I think that is so important. Um, the other thing that I would say, right, is, is you sort of mentioned this, there's a lot of tough news everywhere, and you still see a lot of in these legislatures, right? You see Democrats who are out there really, um, you know, moving forward policies and ideas that um, are helping kids and families and communities. And there still is hope in what they're doing because they're functional leaders who are doing really important things with an eye on um, their communities and their constituents first and not, you know, the preservation of their own power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's it, the difference in... Um what's happening uh, between Republican-led legislatures and Democratic-led legislatures is really important. Let us let people know that don't understand what the DLCC or the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee does and how you help to make that. And then mention other Democratic wins throughout the years in the state legislatures, because there have been more in other states as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, you know, we are the Democratic Party Committee for this ballot level, which means that, um, you know, we are a true partner to, um, you know, candidates and campaigns and um, partners in states, making sure that we've got uh, very well run um, programs that we are reaching uh, the voters that we need to reach to and that we are resourcing and funding, right, these races to the best of ability so that we can win. Um, you know, when we start a cycle, um, we are really looking at the map to identify where the um, key places are that we either need to hold on to our democratic power. So this cycle, we think about places where we just built new majorities or new trifectas in Minnesota and Michigan, um, new majority in Pennsylvania. Um, so those will be key as we think about, you know, making sure that we're returning those majorities that have already done incredible work um, in the short amount of time that they've had uh, power. Um, and then we're looking at places- Let me move on just a second, because I always am aware of language that us politicos understand, but a lot of people listening to this or watching it won't. Can you explain what a trifecta is? Sure. Um, a trifecta is the sort of pinnacle of state power. It is when you've got a Democratic governor, a Democratic state Senate, and a Democratic state house. Uh, much like what you see, right, when you've got Congress and the president, only in your state. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so tell us what what are those those states? And also, one of the things that I like to also say to people, because they often don't really even know what their own state legislature does, but that the laws that come out of the state legislature are are often much more impactful than what comes out of the federal government, frankly because each state legislature can uh, can change or add or whatever what comes out of the federal government. So like you say, abortion, voting rights, 
you know, Medicaid, you know, uh, medical care for poor people. I mean, there's still seats, Republican states in the country that won't allow it. So it just is important for people to know how crucial these state legislatures are. And so tell us a little bit about what you're thinking of for the next, this cycle and by cycle. She means um, in the state legislature, it's well in Virginia, it's every year, but in most states, it's every two years at the state legislature uh, and um, the House of Representatives is elected. And um, so tell us a little bit about what is important for this coming year before the November 5th election of 2024 that you're looking at in terms of what state legislatures you think you could flip, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So building off of this momentum from 22 to 23, um, we're really, again, looking right to make sure that we're returning those new majorities um, in 2022, Minnesota, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and that we're challenging, um, you know, vulnerable Republican majorities in New Hampshire and in um, Arizona. Um, and then that we're and thinking- they have, are, are you challenging in those two states? Because New Hampshire, of course, has this huge state legislature. I mean, it's like a tiny state and has like 440 seats or something it's in it. 400, yeah. 400, so crazy. Um, mm -hmm. But are you saying New Hampshire and Arizona because there's um, there's few enough seats between the Democrats and the Republicans that you think you can you can flip that chamber, those chambers? Yeah, you know, when you think about, um, when we think about how to build a majority um, in a state, uh, certainly, right, how close you are um, definitely matters. But you're also, right, looking at, you know, what are the dynamics in the state, sort of what's happening on the ground? What do we know um, about both qualitative, right, and quantitative data? Um, and so we see the Republican majorities in Arizona and in New Hampshire as quite vulnerable, um, we're numerically close, um, but we also know that there's, um, you know, really good structures and I, and I think, um, uh, some momentum that we want to build off of in those states and some structures that, um, we really want to, you know, take a run for it and, and see, um, what we can do. We think that those are the most vulnerable Republican, um, legislatures in the country right now. And they're um, vulnerable because... They're vulnerable because, you know, they're not governing for the people. And we see that certainly in a lot of places. Um, but, you know, there, uh, there are real opportunities to, um, to really tell that story, right? And and I think that there's, uh, you know, there's a newly elected Governor Hobbs, um, Katie Hobbs down in Arizona. She's a former legislator. Um, she's really committed and dedicated to making sure that um, you know, we're bringing Democrats into that legislature um, and that we're delivering her, right, a majority so that she can move forward the agenda for the state. Um, so there'll be a real partnership there. And that's, you know, really important as we think about how um, to build power. Yeah, really terrific. Um, how do you deal in all these states with the crazy MAGAs, as we've now decided to call the Republican Party, but how do you deal with them? in all of these states. I mean, even in New Hampshire, where you have a kind of middle of the road Republican for governor, he just came out and said he's going to vote for Trump. Even after last year, he was doing nothing but trashing Trump and saying we need to get rid of him, et cetera. But now he said, I'm going to vote for Trump because all I care about is that Republicans win, and which seems 
you know, just, I don't know, doesn't make any sense. But how do you deal with the MAGA crazy in these states? I mean, what well, do you advise your candidates or how are you all doing dealing with it as an organization? Well, I, I think something you just said, right, is really important. The There is no distinction between the Trump Republican Party, the MAGA Republican Party and the Republican Party, right? They have become one. Um, and I, I think that that's important because I, I think that there are folks who are still holding on to, um, you know, the Republican Party of um the 90s, right? That was really about, you know, big economies and low taxes and capitalism and right, like um removing regulations. It was very oriented around that. And that is not the Republican Party we have today. The Republican Party we have today, and you can see this to your point across legislatures across the country, um, that they are, you know, looking to roll back rights. They're, you know, not addressing um, you know safety in schools for kids. They're not addressing the gun problem we have. They're not um, addressing real issues. They're addressing things that are made up, like whether or not kids should be able to read books, um, whether or not, right, a woman should have a conversation with her doctor, um, whether or not you should be able to choose when to have a family, um, whether or not your vote should be counted. And, um, you know, I, I, think I just want to hesitate there for a big minute, because for people that are listening, Think about what this means. Book bans, abortion laws, birth control, I would add to that as well. 12 states are already restricting birth control. And um, and uh, whether or not you get to have any choices in your state, any freedoms, you know, worrying about trans kids and outing them rather than teaching them. So it's like, these are the, the very important issues that the state legislatures decide, not the federal government. Yeah, that I mean, that is so true, right? And, and I think what we are seeing across the country as Republicans um, are introducing bills and you know trying to move forward policy is that it has a lens to it that is about control. And it's about, I know better than you do, right? About what you should do with your family, your kids, um, your life, right? And um, I think that that's important. And I think it's an important story to tell. Um, you know, our work at the DLCC has been uh, as much elevating the work that happens at this ballot level and how critically important um, state legislatures are um, to our everyday lives and within the Democratic Party structure, right? It's wonderful when um, we win the presidency and we have, um, you know, control of Congress. It's very, very important um, and it is wonderful. But that's not enough. We also need right power in the states because they pass so many critically important laws. And now with this United States Supreme Court that is remaining so many things back to the states, it is the state that has the power to determine whether or not a woman has access to um, reproductive health care, whether or not you can choose your family planning. Um, and states are also particularly, well, only ones, right? Like led by Democrats are looking through the lens, not just how do I protect the people in my state, but how do I think about my neighbors in states that are controlled by Republicans that don't have access anymore? Yeah, yeah. And um, and one of the things I'm thinking as well that's coming up now and this and the Supreme Court actually 
is going to look at it yet again, and this is also decided at the state level, is the gerrymandering of states. And like right now, <clears throat> taking away the provision two of the voting rights law that was passed in 1965 and, and how dangerous that is that the state legislatures could decide we're not going to have any minority voting in our state. We're going to, we're going to gerrymander it. So it's all white people voting for all your representatives that are going to the U S Congress or the Senate. And we're not going to let people of color, poor people, uh, people of different religions have any say so. Um, can you say a little bit about that voting rights? That the you know this is really terrifying, and why again state legislatures are so important. Yeah, I mean the issue of um, our democracy, right, and its um, sort of uh, soundness, right, it is really about our state legislatures. They're um, they're moving forward voting laws. They're making sure Democrats, right, are making sure that we've got really strong enfranchised um, voting laws so that people can participate in our democracy and they can choose their representatives. Um, and you know what? Sometimes Democrats win and sometimes they don't. But at the end of the day, right, we need people to participate in the process. It is, um, right, like our duty, um, but also it's an it's incredibly important. Um, you know, what I think is so important about the legislative um, aspect of this is it is the legislatures that are creating the policies. It is the secretaries of states and the governors, right, who play a role. But at the end of the day, the policy originates in the legislature. It is passed through them. And so when you look around, you see really strong, um, wonderful voting laws in, um, you know, democratic states. You see, um, you know, a real attention to making sure that uh, our democracy is, you know, is sound through that lens. And um, you see Republican states, right, making it harder to vote, rolling back those rights, um, slowing down the process, um, and, and really, um, you know, looking through a lens of power preservation. And that's really important. Yeah. Speaking of which, what about the, about 357 357 state legislators that denied that Biden won the 2020 election and has part and have participated in doing things to undermine state elections, um, like doing these fake audits, um, doing all kinds of things uh, to follow up on the making voting hard, make voting hard, and then when they lose, they tell you that the election was rigged. And what they've done is undermine the belief in voting. So, you know, their biggest hope is that they can keep people from voting, which is why it's so important. But what about these 350 state legislators um, that in fact participated in that in many different ways, which we could go into, but we don't have time on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's there's a there's a lot to unpack in that, right? Um, one of the things as we um, attend to, right, putting attention on this ballot level is, um, you know, thinking about not just telling the story of really incredible people who are raising their hand to run for office and the Democrats, right, that are building new majorities and doing incredible things, but also shining some spotlight, right, on um, what is happening uh, within the Republican Party. Um, you know, for a, a long time, um, I think that people looked at 
legislatures as sort of the laboratories, right? It's where you test policy and it's where um, you saw kind of ideas start. Um, and then they'd work their way right across states. And then suddenly, right, you kind of see them years later in Congress. Um, you know, that still, I think, is true. But there's so much more of a spotlight on it that it is it is not quite as um, sort of quiet, if you will. And, um, you know, we saw Republicans at the insurrection. We saw, right, these um, election deniers. And um, we've really strived to tell that part of the story as well. These are not just people who um, who don't have any power, who don't have any say in the process. They, these are elected officials, um, right, that are going out against. I know. It's just unbelievable. Terrible. I mean, they were elected. And, right. and did they think they won, but not really? You know, it's like they won they were the only people that the election really worked for i mean it's just bizarre they were elected through this same process well and you know we've seen what we've seen that is what we've also seen maybe is a better way to say this is um you know we've seen over the years republicans as they've lost power they've lost a chamber or they've lost uh you know a governor or a secretary of state where they've come in their sort of lame duck um period before the next um uh person is sworn in and they've changed their laws or they've defunded the office or they've changed the power um in north carolina uh earlier this summer um there was a party switcher uh, that gave Republicans a supermajority, which meant that they could override a governor, the governor's veto. The governor in North Carolina is a Democrat. Um, the Republicans now, right, have a supermajority in um, both of those chambers. So the governor lost that power to veto, right? The first things that Republicans did with that new um, power was uh, an abortion ban. And then they passed through um, a a list of policies that, you know, changed the way um, people interacted with government. So they looked at their voting laws, they looked at their redistricting laws, they looked at their open record laws, um, and uh, they made it all uh, tighter and more powerful for them. And I think it is that approach that Republicans have, that power preservation at all costs, um, that is both terrible, right, and incredibly dangerous. Yeah, no joke. It, I mean, that's a little tidbit of gossip in there of the DLCC. I don't know if they supported the woman whose name is escaping me that switched from Democrat to Republican. Is there? Do you have any insight about why she did that? You know, I mean, she had more power actually staying as a Democrat because then she could be the swing vote to give the Republicans what they wanted. Anyway, I'm just... It's kind of scary that she would. Yes, it. it is. Um, and it is very unfortunate because the people of North Carolina, right, the 8 million people, I think it is, um, they lost access, right, to a right that they had before. Um, it's the stakes are very real. And I think what cannot be understated is how close these legislatures are, even where, right, like we have power or we picked up new power. Virginia, Michigan, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, these are still very small margins, meaning we don't have a lot more Democrats, right, than the majority line itself. And um, it is 
both important that they are using the power that they have to deliver on the promises, right, that they made to voters, um, but also recognize that, you know, power is fleeting um, and that we're going to have to work really hard to make sure that we're returning these majorities and telling the story of, um, you know, their incredible efforts and what they are doing on behalf of, um, you know, their communities across their state because it's it, it matters. Yeah, yeah. It matters. And as we just saw in um, in Louisiana, that sheriff that won by one vote, it's like every vote really counts. And that happened in Virginia and it's happened in other state legislatures as well. Yeah, um, that's such a wanted, great point. I just wanted to mention that I've worked with the DLCC before. Here's here's our T-shirt. I'm going to move my thing. Um, and uh, it, we are I, I started a group in 16 called local majority and we write we write research papers for the state legislative candidates because the dlcc can't pay for them the state parties can't pay for them and we have an amazing group of scholars and lawyers and just really really smart people and we've written over we're at localmajority.org for anybody who wants to look we've written 300 research papers in different legislative cycles we've worked the most in virginia but also in arizona minnesota michigan pennsylvania and florida sadly we you know didn't flip that but all the rest virginia minnesota michigan and pennsylvania all became democratic trifecta so well pennsylvania is not exactly yet uh but uh, you know it's those kind I, I think it's important for people to understand there's lots of ways that you can help but we dealt with i dealt with the dlcc uh, many different times uh so i'm i'm familiar with how crucial you are to the state candidates really you know really really important well that's incredible that's such a great point though about um you know there's a myriad of ways to get involved and and i think um, what we know about what is happening in our states is that it matters so much and that your vote really does count. It really does make a difference. And, um, and it's not just the difference of whether or not your local representative gets elected or reelected back into their office. It is the difference between whether or not, um, you, you have, an abortion ban, right? Like that's, those are the stakes. And, and I think, you know, having more people connect with um, these local offices, you know, a state legislator still lives in their community. They still are a part of their community. And in many states, they are just a part-time elected official. Um, they still have a career and a job and right. Like they're, they're still doing all of the things. Um, and, they, you know, wake up and go to the grocery store and they're in the grocery store with their constituents. And there is a closeness, right? And an ability to have very real conversations to um, disagree or see different paths forward um, around the issues that we face to have different solutions. Um, but there's also, right, a lot of hope in in what could be and where we could go and what could happen. And, and I think that, um, you know, for those of us who feel overwhelmed or um, unsure of even where to begin, um, does it matter? Am I just one more person amongst, right? Like a billion of dollars in um, a presidential race. Like this is a great place to get involved um, and to take action and to be a part of. And 
it all still really matters. Yes, exactly. When people say to me, I hate government, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, they're the ones who your kids go to public school because of, or you go to a hospital or your roads or your fire department or your police. Those are all funded by government. And all those decisions are made by your local person down the street uh, that is the state legislature, a slate tour, um, which is important. I wanted to ask a detail about how many states are now dominated by Republican versus Democratic um, state legislatures? That's a that's a great question. So there's um, 41 Democratic um, state legislatures right now, um, which is an important metric, right? But we also think about um, the metrics of, of power in states because like anything, right, we were talking earlier about a gerrymander, right? And, and as we know and talk a lot about land doesn't vote, um, so we think about impact, right? And more Democrats live under a Democrat or more people live under a Democratic trifecta than a Republican trifecta. Um, you know, nearly 50% of Americans are governed by um, a Democratic legislature. Um, so there's, you know, real power. And of course, in California, um, one of the largest economies of the in the world, right? Like Democrats are um, incredibly um, important as you think about the economic impact and the size of budget that they're managing. So um, the 41 marker is an important one, um, but we also really think about, you know, the, the ways in which, you know, nearly 50% of Americans are, um, you know, having climate addressed in really positive ways because of Democrats. They're getting access to um, reproductive health care. They're allowed to read all of their books. They've got good schools and communities and parks and write all of those things because you've got Democrats right at the helm leading and making sure that we've got strong, inclusive communities that um, you know people can live in and grow in. And, and I think that's, um, it's great. Yeah. Um, so wait, I'm a little confused. You're saying 41 states are dominated by Democratic legislatures? You didn't mean that. There are 41 Democratic legislatures. There are 40, oh, of the 50, there are 41 of them. Yes, chambers. I'm House, sorry. Yes, that is either right. Either the House or the Senate is right. run by Democrats, which is very exciting. That's way different than it was even five years ago. Yes, um, so what what to do about this presidential year for the DLCC? What how can people help you? Because I would bet raising money now is not as easy as it is was last year. Raising money is never easy for a political party, but I'm just wondering uh, how can people help? And do you have a website? Uh, I'm sure you do that we can go to. But what what where where how can people help? Yeah, so we've got um, DLCC.org um, has lots of information, but here's what we know about the landscape as we head into 24. Um, in 2023, uh, there have been a myriad of, of special elections. Um, in the state legislature, we see lots of special elections. There are um, more than 7,000 elected officials at this ballot level. Um, and as you can imagine, in many places that are part-time, right, you see people kind of come in and out on a regular basis. Um, Democrats and, have been I want to interrupt for just one second. Mm -hmm. Texas, with this huge multi-billion dollar state uh, uh, budget, they only meet every other year. I mean, it's like insane to me that something with that level. And so the, the governor in the state of Texas 
uh, decides most laws. So at any rate, I just wanted to throw that out that people don't know that some of them are part-time. Some of them are, I mean, like, uh, what is it? Michigan or Pennsylvania is more full-time, but I just think it's important for people to know what you just said about part-time. Yeah. Um, and so there's, we like to say inside, um, uh, inside DLCC that if it's a Tuesday, there's an election, right? Which is sort of a quick way to say that there are, right, state legislative elections nearly all the time. Um, that also means, right, that we have a good pulse on what's happening. And this year, we saw Democrats overperform by an average of 7% in all of those elections throughout this year. Um, and then, of course, right, we won in November. Everywhere we contested, um, we picked up seats in New Jersey, so we said earlier, right, a new majority in um, Virginia, along with holding um, the Senate there. And those are important as we think about the ramp up into 2024. Um, we've got really good out on the ground um, metrics, right, that say Democrats are still willing to show up. They still care deeply. Um, the issues that we are talking about matter to people. They're motivated by them. And they're really connecting to the impact that um, you know states have on them and, and really connecting to the power of this ballot level. And so one of the challenges, as you could imagine, in a presidential year is that there's so much activity that you know, you're constantly trying to figure out the best way to communicate your message and to tell your story. And one of the things that we know is so critically important is that um, legislative candidates are in their communities talking to real voters, they're door knocking, they're making phone calls, um, and they've got, right, a team of people who are supporting them and helping them with that. Um, so we think about, you know, just making sure that we're, uh, you know, sort of a constant presence, that people see what a functioning um, democratic government looks like, that they see what a functioning government looks like, right, because they've got Democrats, that we're having open conversations about the issues that matter most, and that, um, you know, we're really thinking about, uh, you know, how to talk to voters and um, what modes of communication, right, are most effective. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, so anything else that you want to say either about your role and, and how great that we have a good interim director such as yourself? Uh, and do you want to say anything more about that you want to make sure that people listening and watching this podcast understand about what you're doing, what you're up against and what you need? Yeah, I just I don't think I can stress enough how um, incredibly impactful it is to get involved with your um, local officials. Right. And um, to volunteer for those campaigns and to advocate, right, as you're um, maybe at the state party and you may be volunteering or doing postcards or knocking doors that, um, you know, you look to make sure that your state legislative candidates are on the material, right, that we're representing them in every way that we can. Um, we know that these races are won and lost in these communities. Um, and the more people that get involved, the more we tell the story of how incredibly important this ballot level is and how impactful uh, the state house and the state legislature is on our lives. Um, and really think about it, not just we need the president, but we need the president and we need our state house. Um, we will all be better off for it. 
Yes, exactly right. And when you say ballot level, I want people to understand what she means is don't just vote for the first thing on the ballot, vote all the way down the ballot. The whole thing. Your state legislative candidates and also for your for your city groups that are running your life. They're running your life for the school board. All of these things. So when she says this ballot level, she means read down past the, the president, y'all. Uh, go all the way down through the ballot and especially with the state legislatures. So um, that's right. Thank you, you so much Heather, for being thank you. on. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Anything else that you want to say before we stop for our no. Now? And, good. Thank you so much. Yes. And we'll need your, we'll get your, um, <clears throat> your website on there and any other way that you think it's important for us to reach you all. And so that we can let people know on a visual level as well um, what how to find out about the DLCC. And like she says, people, you'll be amazed at how few people participate with their state legislative candidates that are doing so much. If you go to their office, they're going to be thrilled. If you call their office, they'll call you back. If you send them an email, they will email you back. They're thrilled to have people in the community help them out. That's exactly right. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Heather. And good luck with this year, you know, and Democrats. This is the rolling billboards we sent around in all the states we worked in. Democrats, get off your donkey. You could use another word for that. And vote. Register to vote. Get out there and vote. That's what's crucial. Thank you very much, Heather. Really appreciate it. Thank you. She's 20 pounds of ranting in a 10-pound bag. It's time for Joe Ranty's Rant. Okay, folks, let's go over what we just heard from the head of the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee, Heather Williams. And she told us about how important the state legislatures are. There are currently 99 state legislative offices because Nebraska has only one. Nebraska only has the Senate, um, the state Senate. And um, so it's important that we look at if there's 99, that means 58 are run by Republicans and 41 are run by Democrats. So we have our work to do, even though this year in every special election, Democrats actually won. And I think it's really important for us to understand that. So what that means is in the state legislatures, what is being decided is really all of your rights. Yes, the federal government gives you some of the rights, but what really is more important is your state legislatures. Because I'll give you an example. The state of Texas, one of our favorites, uh, is run entirely by Republicans. They have what they call a triplex, meaning both uh, parts of their state legislature and the governor, lieutenant governor, and secretary of state are all Republicans. So one of the things they decided is because Harris County is in Texas. Harris County is the third... Uh, uh, what? It is bigger than 26 full states. That's how big 
Harris County is in Texas. So because it has recently become a Democratic stronghold, uh, a young woman named Lena Hildago became the judge of Harris County is what they call it. Even it's not got anything to do with legals. It just means that they run what's going on in Harris County. She won at age 26, and then she's just won again at age 28. I'm sure they thought it was going to go back to Republican rule, but it didn't. So this is what the state legislatures can do. They decided to single Harris County out. Harris County can now no longer run their elections. They are now going to be run by the very Republican state of Texas even though it's the only county in Texas that is going to be run by the state instead of by the county. Because what they didn't like is that Harris County made 24-hour drive-through voting. Was just never heard of before. And of course, what that meant is thousands of people voted that wouldn't normally vote. They could get in the car, go get their fast food, drive through the drive-through and vote. Um, they did all kinds of in innovative things like that. And so the Texas state legislature punished them for it. So this is why voting is so crucial for your state legislators. And um, in more than one state, people have won or lost by one vote. And that can mean a lot. Um, so it, So your vote really does count. Um, very, very important. Uh, and also the state legislatures decide things like who can vote. They seriously, in many states, people who have created a felony, have done a felony, and then went to prison, um, when they get out of prison, they're allowed to vote. Some states, like Maine, allow you to vote while you're in prison, whether you've committed a felony or not. But in many states, like the state of Virginia, for instance, the state law is that the governor decides whether once you're out of prison and you've done your time, whether or not you can vote. And they do it on a name by name by name basis. The governor before the current one in Virginia did a blanket reinstatement of people with felonies. Well, the Republican governor, he was Democratic, the Republican came in and reversed that. So many people lost their rights to vote. So there's all kinds of things that happened that had to happen first at the state level. And then the governor signed it into law. So that's what we mean about how important the state legislators are. So in this year of 2024, there are going to be more state legislative seats to, to flip. As you heard from Ms. Williams, Arizona is going to be one of them. The Arizona Republicans only control by one extra seat. So Arizona is going to be a very important state for us to flip this year. But the other things that get decided, and I want to just reiterate this, I know that she talked about it, but is abortion. Abortion is going to be decided by the state legislatures. The worry is that it's already illegal in 19 states, which it was not before the federal government dismantled abortion rights in this country. Called Roe, it was the bill was called Roe v. Wade. 
That got overturned, and now your state legislatures are deciding it. So 19 have already said you can't have an abortion here. And 12 states have decided that they're going to restrict birth control. I know, it makes no sense. Why would you not allow abortion, but you also won't allow birth control? Part of the crazy is they don't believe in science. They believe birth controls are, birth control is an abortant. What they don't understand is birth control keeps you from being getting pregnant. Hello. The other thing they're going to decide is voting rights. Who can vote and who can't? As she, uh, as Ms. Williams explained to us from the DLCC. And it, what is it that who can vote and what do they need? So. Another example of that is in some states, person with a picture ID from the National Rifle Association can vote, but if you have an, an a college um, ID, you cannot vote. College IDs in some states are not formal forms of um, identifying who you are. But the National Rifle Association little card you can get for $60 will uh, allow you to vote. I mean, it's completely insane. The other thing that I think is very important for us to know is there's this radical theory out there called the Radical Independent State Legislature. And what that is, now I do, I do want to preface this by saying we had some good news, even this wild conservative right-wing Supreme Court that we have, this law finally got to them and six of the nine said that this theory is insane. I'll explain what it is. But that does leave three that still voted for this independent state legislature. And what this means, by the way, is that the state legislature can decide who they are going to say won the presidential race in their state. Yes, it's true. It won't matter how people voted. And that is a really frightening thing. Um, and it also will decide many other things, not just, not just that, who to vote and whether it mattered who you voted for uh, in for president. They're going to decide that. Now, so far, that's still illegal, but they're still pushing for it. Now, what's really good news is that people are starting to get this. So there were many, many laws that restricted voting in this in the states this year. Uh, and that was really frightening. But what's really good news is that there were 53 um, that had that 53 laws that came into effect that made voting even better. Many states decided to not have early voting or um, or that you could send your, uh, you could vote by mail. Many states eliminated all of that, eliminated the drop boxes where you can just drop by and throw in your, your uh, mail-in ballot. Many got rid of that. But many, many, many pro-voter laws happened in 2023 as well. And at least half the states, again, we look at 41 
state legislators were um, dominated by Democrats, and I can tell you that's who made these things happen. At least half the states had at least one expansive voting law uh, voted into law this year. So, um, and that is really, really good news because the more people understand what state legislatures do, the more people vote, the more people stay informed, the more that we can stop egregious laws from happening. Some of the egregious laws that are happening is stopping what we call direct democracy, meaning in most states, you can put a ballot measure on, which means many states did that with abortion. Ohio did that with an abortion um, ballot this year. And the Republican legislature in Ohio, for instance, what uh, the 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 ballot measure was to make abortion access and rights part of the Ohio state constitution. So what the Republicans did to try and circumvent that was say, have a vote on that you had to, any state ballot had to be decided by 60% of the people. There's not a state, even in groovy California, you could not pass anything, I promised you, with 60%. So the people came out and voted against that and they were able to get their ballot measure on. And just in November, Ohio voted to make abortion a right in their state constitution. But many states are limiting these ballot measures that you can put on. They're making them impossible to collect enough signatures. They're making them impossible to be able um, to get people to vote. They make the language very confusing, like in Ohio, for instance. Uh, this is a great example, again, of the people who voted to say you can't make it be 60%. That was a no vote. You had to vote no to say you didn't want it to happen. But then when the, abor when the actual abortion ballot came up in November, they said you had to vote yes. And they did that on purpose to confuse people. So these are the kind of dirty tricks they're doing with the state legislatures and with the help of the secretaries of state uh, in states which normally decide how people vote. So another one is that several states in the state legislature took steps to provide legal protections for people who work to do the, the actual voting on voting day or to just, or to work on early voting, et cetera. Because you may know what happened when people decided that there was a big lie and people cheated. There were poll workers, people who have just done this for years and it's always volunteer or very inexpensive pay that were many were threatened, their lives were threatened because people went around lying and said that the, the election was stolen. The 2020 election wasn't stolen. There were 62, 62 older than most people listening to this laws that were tried in the state courts all around the country, even in front of Trump right-wing extreme judges. None of them won. The election was not stolen in 2020. So really, really important for us to understand that and to make sure that we work 
um, in this. So there are, let me see, what else was I gonna talk about? Oh, just the power of your vote. So your vote is gonna be very, very, very important. And don't just vote on one issue. The other things that these state legislatures are doing is doing book bans. Some of them are doing book bans. Very important for you to get out there and vote for the school boards that are not going to do book bans. It's another important thing to get out there and vote um, because of the fact of climate change. State legislatures, this is what I want to say about the federal government can't do everything and the state legislatures have to do it. So for instance, climate change and fixing and helping climate change. So one of the things that happened is the Biden administration passed all these laws, giving money to the states to work on climate change and helping to ease what is happening in the states. Many states won't spend the money, if you can believe it. They will not spend the money. So this is another reason why state legislatures are crucial. Another one is Medicaid expansion. For those of you who don't know, Medicaid is for people who make very low income or no income. And that um, there are many states that will not pass Medicaid expansion. Dig this. The federal government pays 95% of the fees for that. They're asking the states just pay a little bit to help people like in North Carolina, just this week, they passed a law and now 400,000 people in North Carolina are gonna get Medicaid expansion. So these are really, really important things for you to consider when you're doing your voting and vote all the way down the ballot because your state legislatures really matter. So thank you for listening to Joe Ranty rant on this time about state legislatures. And I want to thank my local majority team that's written papers for the state legislatures in seven states. We've written over 300 papers. We give the research to the state legislators and the people running for those offices so they know the issues that are going on in their state. So vote for state legislatures that are Democrats. Vote for Democrats up and down the ballot. Vote for Biden. Vote for Harris. Thank you very much. Be sure to listen and subscribe to the Democratic Messaging Project with Joe Ranty on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to leave a five-star review. To connect with us, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information on our movement, join our mailing list or make a contribution to place highway billboards and advertisements in key battleground states. Visit democraticmessagingproject.org. Stay blue and preserve our democracy. Thank you for listening to the Democratic Messaging Project podcast.